and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I'm streaming live from the Team Needham Abode podcast room. And I am super excited to have uh, Dr. Courtney Ciccoletti, Ciccoletti back on our podcast. Sorry about that, Courtney. And um, she is a fellow pharmacist and a fellow kind of rogue pharmacist like Janet and I that um, believes in more alternative treatments and integrative medicine and, um, you know, health and wellness instead of just um, having drugs treat every disease. So without further ado, Courtney, welcome to our show. Thank you, Sean, for having me. I'm so excited to be back on. All right. Well, tell us about adrenal fatigue. So, yes, I see with so many of my patients in the pharmacy, my clients that come to me for help with functional medicine, everybody's got maxed out adrenals. And, you know, what is that? We we hear it and it's it's not really a traditional Western medicine diagnosis, you know, like like uh, like many things that we experience in in our field. But adrenal fatigue is when our bodies are pretty much our adrenal glands are maxed out from any kind of stress on our body, any kind of oxidative stress. So whether we're looking at whether it's physical, emotional or environmental and our adrenal glands are kind of just pumping out extra hormones. So whether it's cortisol, adrenaline and basically that can lead to so many different health disorders and symptoms that people come to and they just can't feel better, whether they're, you know, doing all of the healthy things that they think of, if their stress levels are high, it can cause so many bad things. Exactly. Now, um, there's a lot of things we can't control when it comes to our stress levels, um, whether it be our jobs, whether it be family issues, whether it be, um, you know, many different stressors um, that we can't necessarily control. Uh, we can't control the stressors, but we can control our response, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So when I think of adrenal fatigue, I think of what would, let, let, let me let you talk. So when you think of adrenal fatigue, what would be some symptoms that might be related to adrenal fatigue? So some of the first things that I think a lot of people experience is sleep you know, sleep disruptions. So, you know, it becomes a thing where, you know, you can't get into your full REM, you're not getting a good night's sleep. So then the day starts and we're doing things like increasing caffeine levels and energy drinks and all these things that might not be the best things for our body. And it kind of becomes a snowball effect. Um, a lot of times people are holding on to extra belly fat and they can't lose it or they are gaining weight that they don't know where it's coming from. A lot of brain fog to the point where, you know, people are really just kind of like in, in this like days where they're like, Hey, I got here and I'm not sure. Like, you know, it's when you've experienced brain fog, you know what it is. Um, a lot of people with anxiety and depression, just kind of feeling like just off the charts of, you know, I'm, I'm just going through the day and just feeling that unsettled worry mind, you know, whatever it might be. So let's speak about what our adrenals, um, how our adrenals are supposed to produce hormones. So um, I know hormones is a very, very broad term. Um, I'm still um, using it here in the broad term, but I'm going to be a little bit more specific when it comes to adrenal hormones. So um, our adrenal glands, adrenal, ad means above, renal means kidney. So our adrenal glands are basically pea-sized glands that are sit right atop of our, of our kidneys and they help us respond to stress. Um, so adrenaline, the name adrenaline, um, which uh, people are usually familiar with, also known as epinephrine medically, uh, is um, 
is producing adrenal glands and our adrenal glands are made us the, to the fight or flight response. Um, so, you know, if a lion is chasing us, we have to run. Or if a lion is chasing us, we have to fight the lion. So it pumps out also cortisol. And cortisol is the not the immediate hormone that we need to, to fight stress, but the more that we is produced throughout the day to help us respond to stressors, more um, not immediate, but more longer term. And cortisol should be produced in the adrenal glands in a diurnal fashion, which means um, the most in the morning. And it should slowly go down throughout the day, being lowest at like two o'clock in the morning when we should be sound asleep. Um, so if our adrenal glands are not producing cortisol in that kind of variation, then that's when we have problems. So, um, so mostly you're talking about sleep. Um, if we are chronically stressed and our cortisol is high at night, we have a hard time sleeping, correct? Absolutely. So what do we do to combat that? So there's a lot of different things. I mean, we can look at controlling stress levels from, you know, the obvious standpoint of, oh, okay, let's do breath work or yoga or meditation. Um, you know, we can dive a little bit deeper and say, hey, what are some things that we could be lacking in our diets or, you know, minerals, micronutrients, looking at that kind of thing, like it affects our immune system. So things that would maybe increase our immune system, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, that sort of thing. Um, looking at eating, you know, clean whole foods that don't have preservatives, pesticides limited to kind of decrease that inflammation in the body. But then really diving a little bit deeper and looking at things like adaptogens that are herbs that help our adrenals kind of calm down, things like ashwagandha, holy basil, that sort of thing. Um, looking at nootropics, they're kind of becoming like an up and coming topic of, you know, treating their, their, our body's kind of motivation that set our body at a, it gives our body a good kind of energy. Maybe if we have that afternoon slump, instead of having caffeine, taking these herbs like mango leaf and lychee fruit and Asian apple, things that really help to balance out our adrenals and help them give the right amount of cortisol because we, let's face it, we need cortisol. We need that to respond to stress. Like you were saying, we need that, but we don't want to be in that constant fight or flight state. So taking things to kind of calm down also works. And then one of the most important things that I think a lot of people you know, fail to realize is the gut microbiome, that gut microbiome where everything stems from that we talk about all the time and how, you know, the whole gut brain access, how it works are, you know, 90% of our serotonin lives in the body are all of our neurotransmission, dopamine, GABA, all of these things that are other hormones in our bodies and how when one hormone can be off, they signal each other and it kind of becomes like a snowball effect. So looking at it, controlling our gut microbiome with different pre- post probiotics and and maintaining there all of those things in turn decrease our cortisol and lead to a better night's sleep absolutely, absolutely. And, and sleep is trumps it all it um, does if if we are not sleeping well our adrenals no matter what kind of supplement we are taking um no matter how we are eating um all those things can help but if we're not sleeping well um, our adrenal fatigue is not going to get better. Um, that, that, that trumps it all. And I, I talked earlier about um, 
you know, cortisol being produced in a diurnal fashion. And basically what that means is during the day, um, opposite of nocturnal. Um, as humans, we are not nocturnal mammals. We are not nocturnal. We are not meant to work during the night. We're, make, we're made to work during the day. And uh, you've probably seen this in your practice also, but um, night shift shift workers, night shift workers, um, you know, police officers, firefighters, night nurses, um, their adrenals, their sleep patterns are just messed up because of this. And it's very, very difficult to overcome that with any kind of supplement, honestly, or or nutritional um, intervention. Um you know, the answer is, is that long-term, we're just not made to work at night. So what kind of comment do you have on that? Absolutely. And I feel like there's definitely, I mean, that's the, the, the thing that I just want to, you know, that as a pharmacist, when we see, you know, people going on these heavy prescription drugs and they're on them for years and years and years, and like you just said, they need them because there's not anything that they can even do naturally to offset the pattern of your normal circadian rhythm. And if you're not doing the night shift habitually, or you're doing it for a week on a week off and you're switching up, you're throwing your body into this kind of turmoil. Like your body doesn't even know how to respond and produce hormones properly because, you know, you're, you're just confusing it. You're habitually confusing it. So most people rely on pharmaceuticals that are hallucinogenic agents to knock themselves out to sleep because like you said, it's not like we can just take something to balance it out. And another thing that, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole of melatonin, you know, melatonin is also a hormone in the body. And when we start taking supplements for melatonin, not really knowing what our body's normal melatonin is, our body stops producing melatonin properly. And, you know, taken long term, it's just a bad thing. And then even diving down the rabbit hole of people that give it to their children, that it can interfere with puberty and just the production of all of the hormones on that end as well. Well, and, and here's my opinion about anything for sleep. Um, if you have to routinely take anything for sleep, I don't care whether it's prescription, non-prescription, natural, pharmaceutical, I don't care what it is, there's a problem. Um, our, our, our bodies should normally um, sleep at night. And if and if that's not happening, then there's a, there's a problem probably with your... Um, sleep pattern necessarily. And what do I mean by that? So here's some things that can help that um, outside of any kind of drug intervention. And yes, you're right. Melatonin is a hormone and it is a drug. Um, um, so are, are you sleeping regularly at the same time? So, you know, do you go to bed the same time normally within an hour or two of each other? Do you get up the same time within an hour or two of each other? Um, those are very, very important things. And that's why shift workers typically have a problem because they can't do that. Are you exercising too late at night? You know, that's another one is, you know, our adrenal glands produce cortisol in response to stress. And during the exercise, our cortisol levels go up. So if you're exercising within a couple hours of go before going to bed, probably not a good idea. Now, and I will say this speaking personally, as I was younger, I could go to the gym at 10 o'clock at night and go to bed at 11. Um, but I will tell you, as I've gotten older, I just can't do that. So I try to not work out. Um, I try my, I try to make sure my workout is done at least two hours before I go to bed. Better, better thing, do it in the morning. 
Um, let's see, what are some other uh, other tips? Eating too late at night, that can be a problem for some people. Caffeine too late at night. Some people can't tolerate caffeine even in the afternoon um, without, it, without it, um, interrupting their sleep. <clears throat> and let's talk about alcohol. What's your comments about alcohol and sleep? Alcohol and sleep is just, it's, it's terrible because a lot of people still have the notion of, oh, well, I'll have that little nightcap or I'll, you know, drink that glass of wine and it just helps me relax at night. But as we know, you know, that might make you pass out, but your blood sugar is going to change a couple hours later and that's going to wake you up, you know? So it's, it's like this cycle of, you know, of it's bad and, and it just does so many other bad things to the body in general, but looking at it as a, like a, quote unquote coping mechanism as a good way to sleep. Definitely a bad idea. Right. And typically what you will hear from people that drink a, a you know, a couple of glasses of wine at night because it helps them relax is they'll say, well, no, my, my alcohol, alcohol helps me sleep. And you're right. Like you said, it does initially make you, it's a CNS depressant. So initially it will help us go to sleep, but then three, four hours later, um, we wake up and that that is one of the problems with alcohol is it doesn't it doesn't let you get a sound sleep um, all night long. Um, it, it definitely disrupts it. So alcohol is one that you should probably stay away from if you're having sleep issues. For sure. Uh, what else, Courtney? Tell us some other ways that we can um, help battle our uh, adrenal fatigue. So one of the big things that I find is I find that really helping people with their gut microbiome is so important. So looking at things like, you know, what's going on, you know, they're taking things like probiotics and then feeding probiotics properly. There's different strains of probiotics for different things. And really looking at it from the point of view of, you know, do people have other things going on with their health that they're experiencing? A lot of mental health issues, these hormones we were talking about, neurotransmitters live in the gut and they all can send, you know, serotonin can, can, can it interferes with your melatonin levels and it's all like a snowball effect. So really diving into the gut microbiome. And it's, it's funny because people kind of look like that really, I mean, there's more and more information coming out about it, but looking at it from the point of view of, you know, of, Oh, I'm going to fix my stomach and that's going to make, you know, my sleep better or my mood better or all of these things. But the truth is, is when you get that balance going on in your body and your, and your body's doing what it's supposed to do and produce what it's supposed to do, um, it really is helpful. So kind of honing in where, you know, a lot of times when I'm running different labs on my functional medicine, people, I do, a lot of times they do a hair mineral analysis, which, you know, we've done one with you before and our podcast on it, but, um, you know, looking at what's going on in the body and really honing in a lot of times we can see that there's like a gut dysbiosis. And a lot of times it has to do with absorption. We're not absorbing things properly. So whether there's something going on, a stress factor, whether it's maybe another medication, um, proton pump inhibitors, pretty much everyone's on one of those um, by, you know, and it has been on them for so many years, destroying that it can lead to decreased stomach acid, which in turn decreases the, the nutrients that we are absorbing in our bodies. And a lot of times people aren't absorbing their food properly and their nutrients. So they're not utilizing their bodies, not at maximum capacity. So looking at things like increasing stomach acid with some herbs, looking at digestive enzymes and things to kind of get the gut back on track, um, probiotics, postbiotics, phytobiotics, all these things that really enrich the gut microbiome. You know, it's not a quick fix. It's not a, Hey, take this and you're going to feel like a million bucks in a day, but it's something that over time, it's a constant work trying to replace all the oxidative stressors in our gut and replace them with good things. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you already mentioned it, but it's it's worth repeating is that <clears throat> all of the nutrients that we take in, that we, you know, ingest, um, if we don't have a healthy gut to absorb them, I mean, they're not going to do us any good. So no matter what vitamin, mineral supplement we take, no matter what good foods we eat, if we're not able to absorb the nutrients appropriately, then they, those nutrients are not going to, are not going to do what they're supposed to do. So having a healthy gut is very, very important. Um, and you know, I'm older than you, but, uh, I remember, you know, 15, 20 years ago hearing about, you know, gut health, gut health, gut health. And I was kind of like, Okay, yeah, that's kind of hocus pocus. But now it's kind of mainstream. It's getting a little bit more mainstream. And people are realizing that if we don't have a healthy gut, we're just not going to have a healthy body. It's true. And I feel like in one way or another, everybody should be on a probiotic. And I know some people give me slack for that. But there's always something going on that's disrupting the happy flora in our gut. So whether it's taking an antibiotic or any prescription medication, whether it's just from the air that we're breathing that's toxic, whether it's from looking at, you know, pesticides or preservatives in food, you know, the cleaning products that we use, the skincare products, hair care products, all of the things in our world that we try should try to be cleaner and greener with, they all create some kind of oxidative stress on our body and in our gut. So we have to constantly be maintaining our gut with good stuff to help kind of counterbalance that. So, you know, there's all, all these things being thrown at us on it on the daily. So by trying to do the things that are healthy and really keep the gut doing what it's supposed to do and being on a good probiotic and feeding that with the right amount of fiber and prebiotics and all of those things, it's important. And it's, it's really of utmost importance. And I just think so many, it's so important that people are educated on that because like you said, it is becoming more mainstream and people hear it. Well, I should be on a probiotic, but which one, you know, we could, we could also dive down the, which one, you know, you can go and get a probiotic that's worth nothing generic on the shelf, or you can get one that's really good and can be life-changing, you know? Well, let's well, talk about that. So what would you say is a good probiotic? One of my favorite go-tos, like overall, if somebody's just like not on anything and whether they're experiencing any kind of gut distress or even just as a add-on, I love orthomolecular's um, orthobiotic. Um, that's one of my favorites. It's got a broad spectrum. It's got a lot of great strains of things. It helps when I always encourage people to at least pick up a 10 day supply when they get an antibiotic. So really, even if they're not on a daily to at least encourage them using it while they're on antibiotic therapy so that they're not wiping out all the good bacteria when they're taking an antibiotic. Um, but that's one of my favorite go-tos as, you know, as a general, um, probiotic, but then there's different strains that are great for women's health. Um, there's good strains that are good for like mental health and of course, feeding them right too. you know, as if we're not eating the right foods, the phytonutrients and giving prebiotics enough fiber in our diet, then, you know, they don't work as well as they could and should. So what do you like about orthomoleculars? What's, what is a specific, specifically do you like about orthomoleculars? Um, I imagine you're talking about orthobiotic, which is 20 billion CFUs. Mm -hmm. Tell us some more details about it. 
So my favorite thing about the company is just their quality. They are a company that is professional grade only. So you would need to go through us as healthcare practitioners to get it and use it under the care of a healthcare practitioner. But they do third party testing with all of their products where what is in that bottle is what is in that bottle. What, what is on the label is what is in the bottle. And, you know, that's so important when it comes to anything that you're putting in your body. But the fact that they put their products up in their own little clinical trials against prescription prescription drugs, you know, their bergamot, they put up against Lipitor for cholesterol and show how it does just as much, you know, um, their collagen that, you know, their particle size matters with collagen. There's so many garbage collagens on the market that people just feed into and their product is far superior than ever. I've tried to find a better one and I just can't. Um, but their products are just, it's such great quality. They have such an education for us as practitioners so that we can inform our patients that are using them and be able to guide them using it properly. I find that so many people can use those products in place of prescription medications on, on a lot of cases. So um, I just really, they're just my, my go-to brand, but I, that's why I just, I just love them. Yeah, I do too. And one thing I like about their, about their probiotic, their orthobiotic is it's high potency to, so 20 billion CFUs. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't need refrigeration. Um, you know, and there is is live bacteria, but they put a short expiration date on it. So, um, you know, you get what they say you're going to get. Um, also, one thing I like about it is it's got Saccharomyces boulardii in it, yep. which is a non-pathogenic yeast, which kind of like we need good bacteria. We also need good yeast in our body. And those good yeasts in our body will keep the bad things from growing. So um, I've never found a probiotic with the Saccharomyces boulardii in it like um, orthobiotic has in it. Absolutely. And that's actually the one that I choose when I pick. So in the pharmacy, I break them down in bottles of 10 for 10 for people like, so that they can just to encourage, if they don't want to buy a whole bottle, at least get them for the course of your antibiotic treatment. And the Saccharomyces boulardii is the most important ingredient when you're on antibiotics to replace both the bacteria and the yeast that, you know, that it's, that the, that the antibiotic is just taken out. You know, their antibiotics aren't always specific to what they want to kill. They just take it all out. <laughs> For sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, so if you were, what, what dietary things, non-supplements, but what dietary things can we do with our diet? You talked about limiting caffeine. Um, what dietary, other dietary things can we do in our diet to uh, prevent adrenal fatigue? I think really just honing in on trying to eat clean and green, you know, whole clean foods is just always the best way to go. Um, making sure that you're eating a balance of protein, protein so important from, you know, from all sources, you know, I know we've gone down this, this road before, but with, with like meats and stuff, meat, different, different meats. We want to eat good, you know, good, whether it's grass fed beef, different meats, meats are not bad. Some people just, you know, categorize and there's so many different opinions, especially in the functional medicine world, but protein is so important to have at every meal um, with adrenal fatigue. It's, it's the most important that and, and fiber, you know, and we don't get nearly enough fiber in our diet that we could and should. Um, so sometimes supplementing or, you know, even using like a seed fiber in a, you know, in a smoothie or something like that to really increase fiber intake as well. Absolutely. So I have to show one of our guests, Wayne Bailey, another most important podcast. Thanks, Sean. And thanks, Courtney. Oh, thanks, Wayne. Um, <laughs> So let, let's see. So uh, adrenal, what happens? So we're talking about adrenal fatigue. Um, 
and and one thing we didn't mention is that so what happens to when our adrenals are constantly pumping out cortisol and stress hormone um, and thinking we're in fight or flight mode all the time, what causes the fatigue is eventually our adrenals fatigue out and can't produce that anymore. So that's when we feel chronically tired, correct? Yes. And that's just, and that's just the cycle. Exactly that where they're maxed out. It's, it's our, the levels in our body are so high that we're experiencing these side effects. And then where they're not producing things properly, that's where we get into the whole things where the whole idea of we were looking at different times of the day where we're supposed to be producing specific amounts of cortisol, but now we're not doing that appropriately when we're sleeping and our level should be dropping. Um, you know, as you know, just for the listeners, when you are maybe possibly experiencing adrenal fatigue or sleep issues or any kind of hormone issues, there's testing you could do. And usually it's, it's through like saliva and you do it at different time draws to see where you are. So it's not just a, a like one and done kind of test. We want to see what levels are, you know, post dinner time at bedtime upon wakening a couple hours after waking and see that it is producing what it is at those times. And if we're not, if our adrenals are shot and they're not producing at the right time, that's when we get into that cycle. Yeah. And in the adrenals of note, they, they, you know, you talk, we talk about it being a hormone and there's three, well, that's a very broad category, but there's many different hormones um, and adrenals pretty much trump them all. Um, without our adrenal, so it goes adrenals, thyroid, sex hormones. So when we think of hormones, we typically think of sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, but we can live without those, not very comfortably, but we can live without them. Um, thyroid, we can't live, we can live without, but not very comfortably. But without our adrenals, we would die instantly. Um, so if you can't fix your adrenals, if you're, if you're having hormone issues, thyroid issues, if you're having sex hormone issues with, you know, estrogen, hot flashes, um, things like that, if you can't fix your adrenals, you won't be optimal. Fixing those other things will help, but fixing the adrenals is going to, um, what's going to bring you into optimal health because it trumps them all. For sure. And, you know, Absolutely. And we communicate our hormones, they all communicate with each other. So if your adrenals aren't in check, you're not sleeping right, that can affect your estrogen levels. And then that's where people are having their side effects where, oh, well, I have this, you know, midsection belly fat. Well, it's just because I'm going through menopause. The doctor said it's normal. I can't lose these 15 pounds or right. with these hot flashes. And as we know, we don't have to suffer through that. There's There are other ways. <laughs> right. And, you know, I used to give that little presentation about adrenals, thyroid, sex hormones. But I will say this, I had a functional medicine doctor, Dr. Amy Beard, who we've had on our podcast a few times. Um, she talked about um, insulin, which is a hormone. It's a peptide hormone. I was just going to insulin. <laughs> insulin might trump them all. I was um, going to say that. <laughs> yeah. And you should have said that. So if we have high insulin, which is an epidemic in this country and in, in the United States, because of the crap we eat and because we don't exercise and, and all that. Um, if you have high insulin, you're going to be metabolically unhealthy and nothing else will get better. I mean, you got to fix that portion of it. 
Absolutely. And I think that ties into all of it. Again, they are all related, all of the hormones and insulin, they just work hand in hand. So if your adrenals are off, your insulin's off. That's where you get insulin resistance. So is your belly fat coming from your high cortisol or is it coming from your lack of insulin doing what it's supposed to do because everything in your body is confused at this point? Right. Exactly. Right. That that's a that's a topic for a whole other podcast. <laughs> sure is. I'm smelling another podcast coming on, John. And 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 high insulin. Just just to reiterate, is is probably one of the worst things that you can do for your body. High insulin long term um, will cause diabetes, type two diabetes, and metabolically, that's one of the most debilitating diseases, causing cardiovascular disease, causing kidney problems, losing your eyesight, um, and it's all reversible. It doesn't. And you. And, and and by the way, for those listening, if you have type two diabetes, many times your insulin will be high before your glucose is high. Um, so you can, by checking your fasting insulin levels, you can, you can get diagnosed with type two diabetes 10 years before your glucose will be high. So I think it's very important to check your fasting insulin. And here's another thing. It is not a medication deficiency problem. You do not need medication to treat type two diabetes. It is a diet problem. It's a carbohydrate metabolism problem and you can fix it with diet. It is reversible. Any doctor that tells you it's not, go somewhere else because they're, they're lying. They're ignorant. They're lying or they don't know any better. Go somewhere else because diet type 2 diabetes is reversible. Courtney, what do you got to say about that? Absolutely. 120%. And, you know, and then we start seeing polypharmacy. So then they're put on metformin. Um, and then, oh, and I just heard the other day now, now they're trying to um, make metformin not the drug of choice for type 2 diabetes. It's now going to be um, rebelsis, which is semiglutide in a pill form, which again, it's a Big brand name drug, very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So another podcast topic. <laughs> right. Well, why would we want metformin to be, um, you know, first line for diabetes? It's generic. It's inexpensive. We, we wouldn't want to do that. We got right? to have a brand name drug for $1,000 a month. Of course. Yeah. And again, unnecessary. It's not a, a drug deficiency problem. So. Nope. And then, you know, as well as the pharmacist, we see, okay, now you're diagnosed. Now it's protocol to go on a statin medication. Even if yep. you don't have high cholesterol, let's just oh, throw you on oh, one anyway. Yep. And, and because you're diabetic, we got to throw you on lisinopril to an ACE inhibitor too, because it's, it's renal protective. Got to protect okay. those kidneys. Right. <laughs> right. So now you're on three drugs, you know, and, and by the way, um, you know, statins kill your liver. They kill your muscles. Um, lisinopril, I don't think protects your kidneys. Honestly, I don't care what studies are out there. What is killing your kidneys is your out of control glucoses. That's what's killing your kidneys. It has nothing to do with not being on a statin. Exactly. <laughs> so Courtney, as we wrap this podcast up, um, tell us about the best way to get a hold of you. Best way to get a hold of me, my website is balancedsolutions.co. Um, and I'm on social media as Courtney Power Chicoletti on Facebook, Dr. Courtney Chicoletti on Instagram. Um, reach out. You can set up a connect call on my website. Um, my links are all on social media. So um, I'd love to hear from anybody and everybody. If you have any questions um, or just need help with guidance with any adrenal fatigue, I can point you in the direction. Awesome. awesome. So it looks like Wayne Bailey uh, has a comment. He said, "He let's see this right here. 
He says, make me a prescription for my gut health. I'll contact you after this is over. I'll probably send Wayne your way. You'll, you'll probably take care of him better than I will when it comes to gut health. So I can do that. <laughs> awesome. All right, Courtney. I so appreciate you being on. Always, always a pleasure. Um, I, I can't thank you enough for, for being a fellow pharmacist that speaks truth and tells you know, educates patients that, you know, the answer is not always drug therapy and, and, and being a pharmacist and saying that is very, very powerful. So you've helped us realize our goal today, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So I truly appreciate it, Courtney. Right back at you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you. And thank you listeners and viewers for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Monday, uh, 12.30 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time for our, our regularly scheduled podcast. Um, see you then. Thank you for listening.